Now, here are details of some of this week's programmes on radio and television. In top of the pops tonight, you will be able to hear Val Dunican singing O Rafferty's Pig. And a little later on, you'll be able to hear O Rafferty's Pig singing Val Dunican. <laughs> on Tuesday evening, there'll be another pop programme especially designed for the over-70s called Gadzooks, It's All Happened. <laughs> And finally, football. The match of the week on Saturdays between two teams of prisoners, Chelmsford Jail and Chelsea. <laughs> meanwhile, for those of you who are more easily pleased, here's 30 minutes of squalid and macabre horseplay as we take you round the hall. The story so far, hairy, tattooed Lasker Stoker Betty Marsden... <laughs> had shipped out of Liverpool aboard a leaky old tramp played by Hugh Paddock in Waterway. <laughs> Peering into a tar-bottomed lifeboat played by tar-bottomed Bill Pertwee, she finds lovely tussled ragamuffin Kenneth Williams, she of the dimpled nose and freckled teeth. Last I found you, Rachel, he cried, as he pressed her firmly and tenderly between the pages of his stamp album. <laughs> While the kindly old moon peeped out from behind a cloud and beamed down on the lovers, as if to say... My name's Kenneth Hawes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Round the Horn. That was, of course, Douglas Smith, company director of No Fixed Abode, <laughs> who appears by permission of the all-night chemists in Piccadilly. Well... <laughs> To start off, now, here are the answers to last week's quiz. Question one, the great lovers of history. Well, the answers were, of course, Antony and Cleopatra, Troilus and Cressida, and Andy Pandy and Luby Lou. <laughs> question two, the geography question. Well, the three hills that we asked you to find were Richmond, Primrose, and Fanny. <laughs> Most of you got your Richmond. Some of you got your primrose. <laughs> now, uh, once again, we come to the spot in the show where we invite minorities to come forth and air their views. And this week we have with us in the studio a small group who claim to be an autonomous kingdom within Great Britain. Now, standing next to me is their leader, Mr... Uh, uh, Grant Fattock. <laughs> Gay Peasmold, Grant Fattock. King Grant Fattock IV of Peasmoldia. Uh, <laughs> yes. The fourth? Yes, yes, and also the first, second and the third. <laughs> it's just my whim. Your whim, my I whim. see. Yes, I, now... I, I have them. Yes. <laughs> Where actually is P Peasmoldia? It's railway side in Zoxton. <laughs> it's environs, viz, Scroggs Alley, and as far as Badmold Street as the pub. About 200 square yards in all. That is my dominion. Well, now, what gives and you the idea that you are king of this particular area? It came unto me in a vision. Oh! <laughs> a vision, you say? Yes, I get there mainly of a Friday after the pubs. <laughs> Generally, they consist of snakes and giant alligators and that class of thing. But on this occasion, it was an ethereal figure and it said... Go forth, Grant Fattock. <laughs> My child. Child. 
Yes, and claim the throne, he said, of Piers Moldia. Thus spake the voice, so I done it next morning. <laughs> and now you claim to be the king. How many loyal subjects do you have? Well, including my wife and myself, two. This gracious lady who stands beside me <laughs> is, in fact, my dearly beloved queen. Give him the royal salutation, Buttercup. Hello, cheeky face! Yes, very regal, that is. Uh, you'll have to forgive her, she's a commoner. She's as common as muck she is. Yes, I married beneath myself. That's nice talk for a king. Crying king you are, sitting on the throne all day making proclamations. <laughs> Now, could you tell me more about this kingdom of Peace Moldia? I mean, are you officially recognised by the British government? No, we're not. Now it's what gets up our nose, doesn't it? They haven't even sent us Patrick Gordon Walker. <laughs> well, I've got several questions I'd like to ask you. I'm sorry, the audience is over. My gracious lady and I must away to our royal palace at number three railway sidings. You see, today's the day we're holding a royal tea party in the backyard. Uh, it's a social occasion of the year for us. So it's, my husband and I have to nip off before before the chip shop closes. Uh, it's all go when you're a king. Yeah, come come on. On. What a regal couple they make, don't they? <laughs> Their very presence adds a touch of pageantry to our mundane lives. Now then, Smith, stop scratching yourself and announce the next item. Yes, sir. And once again, it's time to meet the James Bond of the Derby and Joan Cubs, Kenneth Horne, Master Spy. <laughs> My name is Kenneth Horne, licensed to kill. And pedal matches. <laughs> it all started in my luxuriously appointed prefab on Hackney Marshes. I just finished a case, I pulled out my Ipcress file and sat there idly filing my Ipcress. <laughs> I sat. I sat back in my chair and put my lean, bronzed legs up on the ottoman. Oh, master, watch where you're putting your lean, bronzed legs. <laughs> oh, sorry, editor. Hello, Dusty Springfield speaking. It's all right, Horn. You can drop the disguise. It's Haverstrap here. I've got brown horrocks for you. Well, I don't want them. No, no, no. Colonel Brown Horrocks, intelligence. He wants to have a word with you. Ah, uh, Horn. Ah, brown horrocks. Something. <laughs> Something terrible has happened. Get over here immediately. Yes, sir. I had a feeling there was trouble, big trouble. I slipped on my bulletproof comms with the secret apartment. <laughs> then I donned the cheese cutter cap, which I always wear when I'm cutting cheese. <laughs> then I put on a gramophone record of a taxi drawing up. I leapt onto the turntable and was whisked away to Whitehall. Oh, there you are, Horn. Yes, here I am, Brown Horrocks. What's wrong? Uh, let me play you this tape. It was recorded last week on the BBC Light programme. I think you might find it interesting. 
This week, how a girl comes to you from a tripe scanning factory in Littlehampton. <laughs> Hello, Littlehampton. Hello, Thank you. Standing beside me, I have a dear old lady who's. I beg your pardon. A dear old. Well, what do you make of that? The most curious. It sounded almost as if he'd. as if he'd turned into a dog. Precisely. Suddenly, for no apparent reason, he started barking and scampering around the state on all fours. <laughs> Bit Mabel savagely in the ankle. <laughs> disgraced himself with Harry Hudson. <laughs> to all intents and purposes, he had become a Yorkshire Terrier. Not physically, of course, but in every other respect. Strange. Yes, we thought it might just be overwork or something, but it's been happening all over the place. Several well-known people have been affected in a similar way. Listen to this tape. We took this off TV. Well, Janet, and where's Dr. Finlay? Well, Dr. Cameron, he's away out on his rounds. He's attending to old Mr. McWhirter's... I beg your... Uh, I beg your pardon, Janet. Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Cameron. I... <laughs> I just said... Oh, oh dear. Very sad. <laughs> and after that, she just ran about the studio, flapping her arms and clucking like a chicken. And then she flew up into the light bracket and refused to come down. What do you think's causing it? We don't know, but it's becoming widespread. I mean, listen to this. John Arlott. And Truman turns to the umpire with that characteristic gesture we all know so well. <laughs> Walks back from the wicket, rubbing the ball on his trousers. Starts his run up and. <laughs> and Dexter goes back and plays a shot on his. <laughs> and there you are. Thinks he's a cow. Behaves like a cow. But otherwise. Perfectly normal. Oh, yes. He gives a good four pints a day. <laughs> Really is most alarming. Look, we've had reports from all over. Ted Moat tried to enter himself for the 330 at Newbury. Good heaven. <laughs> came first. <laughs> Fortunately, I had him in a cross double with Elmer Gogan. <laughs> but as you can see, <laughs> whole thing is deadly serious. Why should all these celebrities suddenly assume the characteristics of animals? We suspect they're being got at, and it's up to you to find out how and to stop it. Brown Horrocks pursed his lips and threw me a meaning glance. I caught it... <laughs> I caught it deftly, balanced it on the end of my nose, and slipped it into my top pocket to smoke after dinner. I had a feeling that the inscrutable, devilish mastermind Dr. Chu N. Ginsberg was behind this. Three days later, the elegant figure of master spy Kenneth Horne could be seen passing coolly through the streets of Hong Kong. Excuse me, passing coolly. <laughs> Could you direct me to the secret lair of Dr. Chu N. Ginsberg? Ah, Which, roughly translated, means honorable scriptwriters too lazy to think of funny reply. Secret lair of Dr. Chu N. Ginsberg, just a class lord. Thank you.
I thanked him, shook him warmly by the throat, and pushed him reflectively into the harbour. Then I headed for Ginsburg's lair. of mandarins and let it be served in the delicate brassless porcelain of the Ming dynasty. And let's have some ginger biscuits too. <laughs> All right. Have you got that lotus blossom? You got that. Two teas and a portion of biscuits. <laughs> Thank you, lotus blossom. Lotus Blossom. Yes, but that's her problem. <laughs> to what do I owe the honour of your visit? Well, I've cottoned on to your little game, you inscrutable devil. Uh-huh. You've been luring famous personalities into your Harley Street clinic. Uh-huh. And whilst pretending to give them a routine checkup, you've been injecting them with animal hormones. Uh-huh. That is true. I am going to take over the whole world and turn all human beings into animals. But why? A man's got to have a hobby, hasn't he? <laughs> Besides, I bear a grudge against the BBC. Well, so do we all, but we don't go about it that way. Here's your teas. <laughs> We've uh, we run out of bickies, so I brought you a bit of slab cake. <laughs> Singing, dancing, conversation, playing upon stringed instruments. And was once scrum half for Wakefield Trinity. Would you like to sample one of my thousand delights? Well, no, thanks. I'm trying to give it up. I'll just have a cup of tea, I think. Well, cheers, inscrutable Dr. Ginsburg. Bottoms up, inscrutable horn. I uh, took a sip of tea. It was drugged. I stood lurched towards the grinning face of my adversary. But then, all at once, I felt myself start to reel. (laughs) When I came to, I was strapped to a slab in the doctor's laboratory. Suspended by a hair above me was a razor-sharp scimitar An alligator snapped about my ankles The walls and ceiling were slowly closing in on me Through a grating in the floor seeped poison gas And as that wasn't bad enough, my corn was throbbing (laughs) How was I going to escape? I was desperate Then suddenly it came to me in a flash There was only one man who could save me now Smith? Yes, sir? Announce me out of this Very well, sir 
With a light bound, Horn regained his freedom. Thank you. Thank you. I'll do the same for you one day. So, Horn, you have escaped me this time, but you haven't heard the last of Dr. Chu in Ginsburg, M.A., failed goodbye. <laughs> and with that, he squeezed through a hole in the plot, scampered up Edwin Braden's leg and hid in his moustache. <laughs> Well, for all we know, he might still be. Nobody really cares to look for fear of what they might find. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was too late to undo the doctor's fiendish work. And so, until the drug wears off, Have a Girl will be coming to you from the Battersea Dog's Home. <laughs> And here now to add insult to injury are the Fraser Hayes for to sing a track from their new LP, Clap Hands, Here Comes Archbishop Macarius. <laughs> the Fraser Hayes Ford. I'm going to make you leave that the man I call today. I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter. the show for the trendy young moderns, especially designed for the hip, as opposed to the rest of the show, which is mainly below the belt. Now, first, fashion. Uh, Norman Hartnell has done something terribly cheeky in Shantung. <laughs> many times, many, many times. Many, many times. Many times. What else is new on the fashion scene? Mary Quant has pulled it off again. Oh. <laughs> 
But fortunately, she was able to sew it back on at once. <laughs> Last week, she absolutely amazed foreign buyers with the ingenious things she did with ostrich feathers. <laughs> Like uh, knitting a garage, I suppose. <laughs> now, uh, trends in music. Folk singing is back. And in the studio tonight, we have that doyen of folk singers, rambling Sid Rumpo. <laughs> now, Mr. Rumpo. <laughs> Mr. Rumpo, why do they call you rambling? Because I ramble. <laughs> I live a vagabond life, gypsying up and down the highways and byways. Free as the wind, a mossy bank be my couch, a blackthorn tree be my coverlet, and a hedgehog be the pillow where I rest my weary head. <laughs> Ah, lackaday, roo, chirrup, chirrup. I beg your pardon. Oh, nothing. I'm just being colourful. That's uh, <laughs> expected of you when you're in the folk song racket. You just wander around the countryside picking up old folk songs. Uh, among other things. Yeah. Uh, chirrup, chirrup, and dang me down a doodle uh, I'll sing you a song if you like. There's... <laughs> This is be an old Hebridean groat wordling song. So called because it's sung by the old women of they parts as they crouch on their lummock stools, a wordling of their groats. I'll uh, just tune in me guitar. Right, right, uh, one, two, and away we go. With a fiddle-dilly reel and a bang on your bangle, my true love did dally and dangle me doodle. Uh, very catchy, isn't it? It's called mouth music, isn't it? By some. <laughs> Others call it quite the reverse. <laughs> now, here's a folk song you'll like. It's only ever sung at the Norfolk Shreve picking time. And all the villagers leap about the grummet pole and uh, pick their shreves. <laughs> Nasty habit, if you ask me. It has produced a great deal of folklore and complaints from the Norfolk Constabulary. It goes like this. Oh, who's first nerdling with a grommet man with a merry down, dairy down, boodle-dum day? To which the village maidens reply, Oh, I will snoodle with a grommet man with a whole truck fiddle-dum day. A whole dum fiddle-dum diddle-dum and a rope pop stickle back center pod day. Yes, that's very interesting, yeah. <laughs> what do the words mean? Oh, I don't know. I make them up as I go along. <laughs> Well, thank you very much indeed, rambling Sid Rumpo. And if you should be rambling past our studio again in the near future, don't hesitate. Keep rambling. <laughs> now, finally, trends in the home. The other week I saw an advert in a magazine which read, Why not brighten up your home? Our interior decor experts will advise you. So I rang up this firm. It's called Fabe Homes. And anyway, the next morning at about 7 o'clock, I was woken up by the doorbell ringing. Coming, coming. Oh, hello, I'm Julian. This is my friend Sam. <laughs> Hello, 
we're fave homes. <laughs> that is, we're actually filling in as interior decorators between acting and engaged. It's been a bit slack lately, oh, isn't it? Bit slack, oh, you see. Slack. I did a commercial last week. It's the one where they say, Treadmill's stout is a man's drink. <laughs> and then I come trolling in, dragged up as a navvy. And <laughs> sort of smack me lips over the filthy stuff. <laughs> And uh, I'm in the razor blade advert. I'm the one who prefers. Lovely. This is part lovely. Yes, well, it's up to you, of course. What I say is chacun son. So you uh, you better come in now, Joe. Here now, this is my living room. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> With it. Well, it's a bit vintage years of Hollywood, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I couldn't live in a place like this, could you, Jude? Oh, no. <laughs> One thing I couldn't be doing with that flocked wallpaper. Mm. That'll have to go for a start. Mm. Given the screaming ab dabs, that would. <laughs> oh! 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 When he sees wallpaper like that, it completely clogs his self-expression. Oh. Never mind, Jewel. You can let yourself go on his drapes. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite a good idea. Got some boner curtain materials for that. Yes, Fave. Fave. Show him your swatch. <laughs> Now, you've got, uh, you've got your plum velvet, you've got your hessian, and you have your silk. Wild? Absolutely <laughs> Now, I fancy something a little different. Well, it comes down to the black leather, then. Black leather curtains? You're all very kinky. <laughs> and if they wear, you can always have them half sold and healed. <laughs> Put him down for the other curtain. Right. Of course, it means all that tight furniture will have to go. Oh, definitely. Quite out of keeping, isn't it? I mean, what do you you fancy, Drew? Well, I see the Danish teak everywhere. Fame! Fame! And with that, a touch of Victoriana, say a chaise longue or a whatnot. Mm. (laughs) Fancy a whatnot in the corner, Sand? You want me to be... You want me to be frank, don't you? Of course. I mean, you like me to be blunt, don't you? Oh, you know me. I do. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Yes. Well, frankly, man to man, yes. I'm not besotted with the idea. Uh, it doesn't sing. Oh, well, that's a, that's a relief anyway. I don't think I could have stood a singing whatnot. Oh, off a moment. Wait a minute. Wait. It's coming to it's me. Inspired. It's inspired. It's it, yes. coming to yes. me. I've got it. What? I've got it. Pallid of Versailles. Gilt caryatids, full-length mirrors, chandeliers. Oh, fantabuloso. <laughs> oh, yes. But I think that ceiling will have to go. It oh, won't fit in. No, yes, yes. The wallpaper will have to go too. That won't fit in now. Oh, let's face it, Jewel. Everything will have to go. Oh, the lot. It's got to go. I mean, none of it fits no, in. No. Right, that's settled then. Now, just a minute, just a minute. Haven't I got any say in the matter? What about me? Well, there's no doubt about that. You'll certainly have to go. <laughs> So that's how it was. I'm afraid I just didn't fit in. That's all for this week, except to announce the winner of our Limerick competition. And it comes from a Mr. A.N. Millington of 30 Houghton, 
near Annerley, Arundel, and this is the winning limerick. The pink-spotted thrush of Bengal has a very peculiar call. The reason his song is so terribly long is because he's so terribly tall. <laughs> Rather nice, isn't it? Right. Now, the next competition begins with the following two lines, which uh, have immense possibilities, I think. A very rude boy from Johor wrote the following words on the door. <laughs> I'll repeat that. A very rude boy from Johor wrote the following words on the door. And all you have to do is to complete the limerick, suggesting the message he wrote within the bounds of good taste, of course. Answers, please, on the postcard to Round the Horn, care of the BBC, London, W1. And to the sender of the best limerick goes this week's prize of a moustache cup, which is very useful for drinking your bedtime moustache out of. <laughs> Cheerio. See you next week. That was Round the Horn, starring Kenneth Horn, with Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marston, and Bill Pertwee. On the musical side, you heard the Fraser Hayes Four and Edwin Braden and the Hornblowers. The script was written by Barry Took and Marty Feldman, and produced by John Simmons. <laughs>